Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Going right along with the theme of failure, I just wanted to quickly mention that the reason this episode is about a week late is because I recorded this on my end at a coffee shop conference room and there was a ton of echo on my side. And so this was still before I had figured out that I wasn't switching the Zoom tracks like I used to. And so I had to go through with a fine tooth comb and edit out all of the echoing on my end while also making sure Katie is able to be heard entirely. So on my side, the quality is not as clean and crisp as I would have hoped, and I hope you can forgive that as I'm uh, failing my way towards figuring it out. Thank you very much for listening, and I appreciate it immensely. Hey there, friends of failure. This is Ben Currier here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. Today, we've got Katie Rice here with us. Um, hey, Katie, how are you, and where are you from? Um. Hi, Ben. I'm doing all right. A little bit nervous to be here, but also excited. And um, I'm in Denver. Um, oh, very cool. I was just there. I mean, we're both Denverites at the moment. Oh, so awesome. I'm in, um, and so I, I like to start out the show with a little bit of a uh, shameless brag about yourself. Maybe let some of the people know either what you're working on or what you've done um, in your career uh, before you get to some of the more failure side of things. Absolutely. Um, so I have had quite a meandering career path that I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more later. Um, but I'm really excited at the moment. Um, I, in the last year or so, have started my own business, um, KR Connections, where I help people who are in the middle of major life transitions, be it a move, a change in relationship status, um, a big career shift, go from feeling overwhelmed scared and alone to feeling uh, resourced, grounded, and connected so that they can continue moving forward on their journey to becoming their fullest selves. That sounds cool. What got you into that? You said it's a new business, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically my own meandering experience got me there. Um, I've been through a lot of transitions in my life. Um, I grew up moving around a lot um, within the States and abroad. And then um, just within the last three years, uh, went through a lot of different transitions, um, leaving my old job, leaving my old marriage, leaving my old city, and um, had made some really great friends and found some great resources along the way and got to a place of like, hey, I really would love to be able to share this. Sounds cool. I mean, not all the uh, the job marriage and city problems. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining it was all for the better now, looking back on it. Absolutely. I love it here in Denver. Um, I got remarried last October and Congrats. the job stuff, um, like I said, uh, took a few years to kind of figure things out, but um, I'm now feeling pretty good about how where things are headed. So that's good. And where did you move from? Oh, what was the old city that you? Um, I was in uh, Washington, D.C. for 10 years before this. Oh, cool. Yeah, I did the same thing. I went from Boston to Denver. Uh, I don't know if you noticed what I noticed about where it seemed like strangers are a lot more friendly out here. And you oh can actually God. talk to people on the side of the street instead of yes. 
everyone in their own world. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that about it here. I mean, honestly, I'm one of those people who kind of talks to random strangers no matter where I am. Um, so I feel much more at home and comfortable here as opposed to trying to talk to people in DC and just getting the like head down, keep walking move. <laughs> nice. And so how long have you been doing the care connections thing? Um, so I started in earnest about a year ago. Um, I had the concept vaguely form about, I guess it was almost like four, four and a half years ago now. Um, I had been, um, so lawyer by training, realized very quickly that I didn't actually want to be a lawyer. Um, my last real uh, nine to five style job was working for a family foundation and doing grant making, um, which was really cool. Uh, but I also realized that I wanted to do something a little bit more um, that felt a little more personal. Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew I was going to leave that job. It was really small, small foundation, small staff. So I gave them nine months notice and mm -hmm. wow. was able to, like train my replacement and like feel really good about how I was leaving and then jumped into the scary unknown, um, not really having a clear sense of what I wanted to do, but knew always knowing that it came back to um, kind of my deep sense of like creating connection and forming community. Mm -hmm. So um, I meandered, moved, got divorced, got remarried, did all of that personal work. Um, and in the meantime, started to like come up with this idea um, for how I could help people um, going through whatever transitions they're experiencing in their lives. So um, I, I still haven't quite figured out what to call what I do. I've got like on my website, I think I call it like transition support services. Mm -hmm. um, I was just talking with a friend recently and she's like, you're a connector with a side of inspirational coaching. I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, or my husband likes to say that I'm a professional friend. I'm the friend you sit down for coffee with when everything mm -hmm. seems to be going crazy. And like, I listen and then I'm able to steer you in the direction of some helpful resources to, you know, make it feel a little bit more manageable and also to make sure you feel like you're not alone in the process. That sounds like a really cool idea. And I'm sure a lot of people need that kind of thing. Um, well, what kind of a lawyer were you out of curiosity? Um, so I realized even in law school that I didn't want to be a real lawyer. <laughs> so I, while I did take the bar, um, I never ended up really practicing. Um, okay. I did a little bit of campaign finance and election law and then went into state government affairs. Um, Interesting. yeah. So my first job, well, I graduated law school um, in 2011 and the job legal job market was still kind of a disaster at that point coming out of um, 2008 mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of firms failing and just like it took a while for it to recover. So it took me about six months to find a real job. And it was one of those situations where I had um, kind of gotten down on myself in the process of trying to find something and was lacking a lot of confidence. And so I ended up applying for a job that was well below like my skill level. And lo and behold, the organization um, had another opening. It was like, why are you applying for this? You should be applying for this, you know, assistant director of state government affairs role. I'm like, oh, really? You want mm -hmm. to 
that job? I'm like, okay. So they believed in me, but I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. And um, so throughout the role, I mean, I was amazing. They took a chance on me and I learned a lot, but I ended up kind of burning out um, with all the travel and just not feeling like I was good enough for it. Mm -hmm. um, imposter syndrome stuff. Oh, huge imposter syndrome. I'm like, what, why are you, you're sending me to talk with these state <laughs> legislators and like these regulatory officials? I don't belong here. Um, so I ended up burning out and um, I also have like struggled with depression and anxiety throughout like throughout my, my life. Um, and so ended up just getting to a place of like serious panic attacks and not being able to do the job. Um, yeah, well, it's also a high, high stress job. Yeah. Um, so I uh, ended up leaving that job and finding my way to the family foundation that I worked for, um, which was a great new start. Um, but again, like not fully believing in myself. So more, more imposter syndrome. And at that point, I really wasn't doing a ton of lawyerly things, but like still sort of, sort of used my degree every now and then. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I left that, I was basically like, nope, I'm never going to be a lawyer. So all, you know, three years of law school sitting for the bar exam, learned a lot, maybe not really worth it, but it was yeah. a great, um, great process to, to learn about myself. Well, it sounds like you learned faster than me because it took me six times getting fired in corporate America to now finally realize I'm not going back. But the problem is I don't, I don't quit ever. I just wait till they fire me, I guess. Because uh, I, I don't want to yeah. give up. <laughs> I, I get I get scared and, and run before anything <laughs> happens usually. That's, I think that's a better method, better method for sure. So in terms of um, stories related to failure, what would you say are some, or at least one that sticks out in your mind as being something that was incredibly difficult to get through, but now looking back, it's helped you learn some things that you didn't know how you'd learn kind of in any other way? Yeah. Um, so I talked a little bit about like the career piece. I'd say the other big, like writ large, if someone looked at the resume of my life and was like, boom, this is a big failure, it would probably be my first marriage. So I, uh, my ex-husband and I met while we were in high school and had formed a relationship based on this idea that like, neither of us really loved ourselves, uh, but we could kind of get through life together. Mm -hmm. um, and so that worked well for a long time. Um, and then uh, he also um, struggled with alcoholism. Thankfully he's, I believe now, four years sober almost. Oh, wow. Um, but, That's good. Uh, so that was something we, we helped uh, get through together. Um, but uh, came out the other side of it, just both realizing that we had grown too far apart. Um, and in the process, I learned that, oh, wait, I can actually love myself. And mm -hmm. I don't need to have that from a partner. That's something that I can like do on my own. And that I don't expect that from someone else. And I also don't want someone else to um, put that on you, put that on me. Yeah. It's not my job to love someone else. Um, mm -hmm. so that was uh, a really, really hard realization. Um, I think at one point we were like, we're co-codependent. So um, <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was really, really hard. But the upshot of it is that I really was able to kind of find myself, so to speak. I don't necessarily love those terms. Mm -hmm right now yeah. um and come out of it with this new sense of self and um 
ability to kind of believe in myself and trust mm -hmm. myself and move forward. Um, so that would be the biggest failure I'd say in life. It turned out to be um, pretty wonderful. Yeah, and and how long after you were done with that marriage, how long did you give yourself a long time to love um, yourself before uh, finding You know, fascinating. I, um, it, it's funny, my friends like to say that I, uh, I kind of jump from one thing like pretty quickly. Like once I make up my mind about something, I go really fast. Um, so I kind of bring on a lot of change in my life all at once. So I had every intention of taking a long time to just like figure things out. Um, but I, the divorce was finalized in November of 2017. Uh, six months later, I moved to Denver. Um, within two weeks, I was introduced to my um, now husband uh, by a mutual friend, thinking that we would just be friends. Mm -hmm. And then um, we, uh, yeah, <laughs> we we decided that we we're going to be more than friends. And yeah. so, actually, I think I skipped a year in there. It took like a year and a half of just kind of figuring things out and leaving DC. I skipped over an entire year of amazing adventures. <laughs> um, this is what COVID does, I think. It's like crazy timelines. Like, where are we? What year is it? What yeah. has happened? Um, yeah, so I took a year to um, realize that I was done in DC, figure out where I was going. Um, I spent um, about six months kind of living nomadically. Um, How did you do that? Like, what would you do along that trip? Because that's what I'm kind of doing right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really cool. So I um, I gave up my apartment. I really didn't have a ton of stuff. So I gave up my apartment, put the few things I did have in storage, um, kind of couch, couch surfed a little bit with some friends in DC. Um, and then I have a very good friend who is from New Zealand and she was back um, home for a couple months. And so I was like, hey, can I come hang out? Um, and I had also lived in Australia as a kid. And so went back and visited some friends there. So I spent like two months in Australia and New Zealand um, adventuring, which was incredible. Yeah, um, so not something you left out on purpose, but no, not something I left out on purpose. I have like again, like I don't know. Time has become very nonlinear. Yeah, and so I spent two months uh, down under, and then came back and was like, okay, I want to move to New Zealand. How am I going to make that happen? And in the meantime, was like, okay, I should get a home base in the states at least. Um, yeah. And so I came out west and spent time visiting friends um, and family in like California and I went to Park City and I came to spend time in Colorado and when I was out here I was like I need to move to Colorado and so um, I made that decision at the end of February like a week later I had a realtor and was starting to look at houses. Um, uh, not this February right? No sorry um, this would have been definitely not this February. I don't know how long you've been how long yeah. you've been in Denver. I've been in Denver for three years. Okay, Sorry. cool. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this would have been February 2018. Yeah, so it's like I made the decision, found a realtor, found a house within like a month, had closed on the house and was moving out to Denver. Wow, that's um, impressive. Yeah, it was one of those times in life where everything just kind of flowed uh, together and yeah. like was like, all right, I'm on this journey and I'm just going to like ride the waves. Um, yeah, for some reason, life just has no resistance at that moment yeah, for you. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so that was three years ago and I've been 
enjoying living out here ever since. Awesome. That's really cool. I'm, I'm leaving, but not because it's not a great place, just because I want to try you know, somewhere else because I've never really chosen a place for myself. I, I moved up to Denver with an ex. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a mutual decision kind of thing. So I didn't really ever think about where I would want to live. Absolutely. Yeah. This moving to Denver was the first time that I had moved of my own accord. Like I'd moved, oh, I don't know, at least a dozen times in the past, but it always had been like my family was moving or a mutual decision. But that was the first time ever that I was like, no, I'm moving someplace new. And it's so exciting and um, really, I don't know, like freeing and exhilarating to explore and see what feels right. Colorado is wonderful. We will miss you. Yes. Um, I know. I'm excited for it as well. And then now you're trying to say that was your second failure, but I'm going to count that as the first one because I want to hear more about what you think the career failure was all about. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to circle back to that. So I would say that the the biggest failure career-wise in the meandering path and like the theme that runs through it is um, constantly playing small like really not believing in what I'm capable of doing um, Mm -hmm. and always downplaying what my gifts and talents actually are. Um, Being too humble to a fault almost. Yes. Yeah. And, And not necessarily like, not because I'm trying to like fake modesty, but like I genuinely just did not believe in myself or my Mm -hmm. ability to anything. Um, so I, yeah, just taking, do you you have any reason why you think that might be, was it something growing up or something where you weren't given Um, enough responsibility or I'm not sure what would cause it. I'm just curious if you have any ideas about what you think, because I'm similarly, uh, I'd rather pretend like I have no skills at all and then wow people with them rather than brag about anything. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, it's this simultaneous fear that I am not enough that like I'm going to be found lacking um Mm -hmm. by people that I love uh, society in general um and also and perhaps moreover this like huge fear that I'm going to show up as my full self and it's going to be way too much and people can't handle it and then I'm Mm -hmm. going to like alienate the people that I love so I think that's kind of what drives it all the time of this, this like, oh, I can't really show up as my full self because yeah. it won't be received and I won't have that connection out that sense of belonging. Um, Just out of curiosity, do you think that like people are born with a certain level of, of smartness or do you think it's something that can be learned and improved upon? Uh, that's a great question. I... I would say I, I probably fall into the like nature and nurture camp. Like I mm-hmm. do, think there's probably some genetic thing at play. Um, and yet um, also though, like your experiences in life and like how your, how intelligence and your gifts and everything are nurtured play mm-hmm. a big role as well. Cool. Uh, the reason why I asked is I'm re- rereading this book um, that I highly suggest you should check out called Mindset mindset by carol dweck and um it basically says there's two different types of mindsets well one is the fixed mindset one is the growth mindset mm-hmm. and people with a fixed mindset tend to have the belief that like basically you you are where you are and you can't change it as much and a lot of times it results in some of those negative feelings you were talking about because if you show your full self and then you're found lacking that's a permanent judgment mm-hmm. you know you can't ever go yeah. get better and, and change and 
I'm definitely on the growth mindset side, but when I read that book, that's really kind of where I came up with the original failure guy idea. I was only just re- realizing as I re- reread it, cause it's a lot of it's about how do you deal with failure? Cause the people with the fixed mindset who think that they can't change who they are. It's like, every time there's a failure, it's like, that's a permanent stain on their person um, versus growth minded people tend to want to think about how can they use what they learned from that and apply it to the future. So um, I only asked because they asked them some, some questions. And I think if you check that, you'd realize that maybe some of the things are related to that. Cause I didn't realize how much it was impacting me because I've done parts of my life where I'm not thinking in the right way. So, and I never mentioned that to the listeners. So I also want to suggest that to the listeners as well. Yeah, no, thank you for recommending that. You are the second person within the last month that has recommended mindset to me. So oh, really? I need to go read this book. <laughs> cool. Well, that's good. Um, okay. And then so you, and you must, I don't even know if you're still paying for your student loans, but you must have felt bad about <laughs> doing all that schooling for not much. I mean, yeah, I I feel very, very lucky that I um, thankfully am not paying for student loans anymore. That's good. Um, that was that was like the big thing I took out of the divorce settlement was paying off my um, nice. paying off my student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that would I think that would definitely change the fact that I was able to um, kind of throw away my legal <laughs> career um, and not have to repay loans has definitely given me a huge privilege of being able to kind of explore more. Um, so I I do feel very lucky on that because I, I had been paying off loans right now. I'm sure I would be beating myself up a lot more as opposed to- Yeah, every time you pay it. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Instead of being able to see the, see the bright side, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would be stuck in the negative a little more. If, is there any other um, specific failures you want to talk about before we get some of the other questions which are more forward-looking kind of things? Um, I think this is a kind of a cool place I can talk about both both failures that we've talked mm-hmm. about a little bit and like compare and contrast. So in um, when I was in the process of kind of burning out of my, my first real job um, post-law school and uh, in that low point of like, I truly, I mean, I really did feel like a failure. Um, I kind of even went to the place of like having some suicidal thoughts and like the world would be better off. Like I, this is not like, I have no purpose. Um, and so at that point I really felt utterly alone. I really didn't feel like I had, I mean, I had some family and, and friends, but like, it didn't, I didn't feel like I had this community or something. Was this pre-divorce or post? Uh, this was pre-divorce. So um, it's funny, it's funny you can feel so alone while you're in marriage. Um, it's, it's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Alone while you're in marriage. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I mean, that was, uh, in fairness, that was because I felt like not yeah, something yeah, that was not, not, that was not a reflection on the marriage. That was a reflection on myself. Yeah, I he, didn't make that he, very clear. He probably um, won't listen to this podcast because <laughs> not, not enough people. No, well, I know, but like, but, but no, I mean, like, I and it you want to put it out there. Yeah, because that that's not true. But, um, no, that was in, you know, in a marriage, in a, you know, wonderful, loving family, having a, uh, a solid group of friends, but at the same time feeling completely alone in this like pit of despair. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to bother people with your problems too. So you kind of put yourself in there by yourself alone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Self-imposed. Like, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Um, and so, so for that one, I really felt alone. And that is where I would say I, I got to that bottom of the pit and started digging myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way, I mean, I 
found a wonderful therapist. I um, then met my future second therapist, um, <laughs> larger process. Us, uh, who was running um, some awesome like uh, group workshops. Like that was kind of a a, a guidepost along the way, um, and was a really formative like resource. If if I kind of look at it like you know the whole time I've been building this toolkit of all different tools and resources to pull from um, in moments where you know things are looking dark. So through that, I, that's when I really started developing more of a community and making friends with people who are also kind of like struggling with things, but also deep into the personal development work and really ready to show up differently in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and so fast forward three years later, when I was going through the divorce, I truly, I never felt alone in it. I always felt like I had people that I could, you know, ask for help that I really could reach out to that, you know, by that point I'd been building this toolkit of resources and like mm -hmm. really genuinely could dip into it and be like, oh, wait, I know what to do right now. Like, I feel incredibly low and like, here are all these things that I can do in the moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know that even though I feel like I'm kind of a mess or frequently feel like I'm a mess, <laughs> but, um, I, I had people that I didn't feel like I was bothering showing up that way with. Yeah. And so how did you get over the, so I'm going to call what you do a life coach only because yeah. it's similar to that. I don't like labeling things. And I know where, when you say that word, people put things in their head around certain things, but what got you to the point where you were comfortable enough realizing you could tell other people what they should be doing? Like, cause I, I'm the same way. I've, I've tried so hard to change my own self and do self-improvement that I've absorbed so many books and I could help so many people get better, but I can't figure yeah. out how to get myself to take some advice or whatever. So yeah. how did you get past the, just the imposter syndrome piece in order to do what you're doing now? It seems like it's a lot more um, intense than a lawyer, at least from a, from a humbleness standpoint. Yeah. Um, so uh, first of all, I would say I am not over it. I still have <laughs> imposter syndrome all the time. Um, so yeah, definitely need to be honest about that. I think what changed for me is in this kind of process of self-discovery and really being able to trust and believe in myself, just slowly building touch points of like, oh, I, you know, I said this thing and it really helped this person and being able to like form friendships where we, you know, really mirror each other and are able to reflect back all of those qualities so that when, even when I'm not feeling it for myself, I can look at my friend, I'm going to use, I'm actually name drop, my friend Nicole, um, who I, we have like a weekly help each other through our entrepreneurial. Um, like a mastermind kind of thing. Yeah. Two yeah people. Exactly. We do that like every week. Um, shout out to Nicole. Good job, Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. <laughs> yes. Um, so like with Nicole, I can, you know, I might not be feeling it for myself, but I can see, like, I trust Nicole. I trust her feelings. And so that I can like see it in her in that she believes in me or she finds what I'm saying valuable. So I'm like, well, Nicole thinks it. So I'm going to use this as my reference point. And like, I will trust Nicole, even if I'm still learning to trust myself. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, I like that. And I do similar weird things where I can, I, can, I have trouble doing things for myself. 
So like, uh, for example, I was recently, no one's heard of this episode yet, so it doesn't make any sense to talk about it, but I was doing this one in the Grand Canyon and it was like four hours of a solo podcast of a thing. Okay. And I was realizing that at one point it was so cold because it was overnight. It was like 20 degrees. I didn't have any heat in my car. It was broken at the time. At one point I wanted to get my robe out of the trunk to get warmer and I couldn't get myself to do it. But then I thought, well, the listeners would want me to be warm. So that got me to do it, which is so bizarre. But so I think tricking yourself, figuring out ways to, to trick whatever shortness in your brain is happening is, is a really good way. So even whether it's your friend Nicole or whoever, like that yeah. external validation can certainly, certainly help. And uh, I think even the life coach thing, like from the failure guy thing, what I started with that was I wanted to go down a similar path in some senses, but I don't, Sometimes when I give advice to people, they think it's judgmental and I'm coming down from above. So if I thought if I'm the number one failure, there's no way I'm coming from above you. So here's what I learned through my fails and maybe you can benefit from it. It's hard for me to change my tone being from Boston. Like it's, uh, you can easily drop your tone and have, it sound like you hate people just because when the more you love people over there, the less you act like you love them. That's what I'm trying to change that. And so that's why I thought with failure, I think it'd be happy and easier to give people advice, not feel like it's judgmental if I come from below them, so to speak. But we'll see if, if any, when I got the license plate, I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. I was going to write a book or something. And so eventually started to do a podcast, but um, I'm looking forward to doing other podcasts and doing all sorts of other things with it. Cause it's so cool. I mean, so this is your first one. What is your opinion of, of being on one? It's, it's feeling slightly surreal. Um, where I'm like, okay, I'm having a conversation, but in the back of my head, I'm like, someday someone else is going to be listening to this. And so it's adding a weird pressure. Uh Um, but, uh, no, I think it's kind of, it's, it's, it's fun. It it definitely does feel like a, a lovely way to just, you know, tell my stories, hear your stories and hope that someday somewhere out there, someone's going to listen to be like, yes, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I totally get what you mean about like kind of the hyper awareness of everything that's being said or done is recorded. I've had the same problem, like especially on video. My because uh, I haven't released any of these on video yet; they're only audio. But when I record, like, so I have an Excel training business, Microsoft Excel, and when I I had like one video where I'm on it, and like just making that one video took forever, just because I it's so hard to like you're saying you're trying to focus on not only the fact that people are going to watch it someday, but then well, how do I think of that? And all the stuff I'm supposed to say and everything else, like it's just, it can be a lot. So I, I think if anyone's in that situation, I'd say doing more of it is really the only way to get uh, anywhere kind of thing. But I think uh, I think you're doing a great job and I've had a podcast guests that haven't even launched their episode. I'm never going to launch it because they were either crazy or whatever, but meaning you're doing, you're doing a great job. And I, I would say you're ready for the prime time in terms of podcasts because any, and also anyone can do it. It's just uh, audio. You just talk. As long as you have something to record it, like it's not not that hard. And yeah. that's part of why that I did that four hours in the Grand Canyon. I was like, I'm not going to edit any of this. I'm just going to record and show people that you can do this as well. And besides writing a book, which you could use a notebook and pen, I'm pretty sure there's not much else that has such a low barrier to entry than um, podcasting. You know, there's a whole lot of hosting and other issues with uh, how do you get it to people. But making it is is pretty simple. I think it's awesome that you're just putting it out there and like, going for it and and just I think for me the 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 being I don't know honest authentic and just being like hey this is you know these are my failures this is <laughs> this is you know this is where I'm a hot mess which <laughs> well, 
So I used to, so like I said, I was fired from every job I've had since graduating, but every time, so I feel like I was like, there's a, there was a work me and a home me and they were different people. Just like you're saying with the imposter syndrome at work, I'd be the guy who doesn't like whatever, all sorts of things. And at home, I'd be someone else. And then every time I got fired, these two came closer and closer till now I'm the same person all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you need in order to not just have stress around the fact that you have to live multiple kind of lives. So I just decided I'm going to be, you know, radically honest and transparent and all that stuff. And just whatever happens from there happens because it sucks when you're trying to pretend. I mean, when we already have the default imposter syndrome, even when we're doing stuff that we're good at, certainly when you're doing anything else, it can feel um, like you're kind of a, a sham. Yeah, like well, that. absolutely. I mean, I would say that I, I'm, I'm turning 35 next month. I probably spent the first, well, maybe not the first couple of years, but like, over 30 years of my life with just wearing this mask of like, I'm perfect. There's nothing to see here. Look, I've got it all together or attempting to keep that up. And that's so not true. And I, yeah, the closer I can bring like the real full authentic me into everything that I do and all the different spheres of my life, the happier I am and the more fulfilled I am. And so I think you're spot on just like that process of gradually failing and just revealing what's behind the mask is just bringing me and I hope you as well to this mm -hmm. sense of greater, I don't know, purpose, fulfillment, et cetera, in life. Yeah. Now I'm just doing a lot of things that I thought would never really be possible because I just had self-limiting beliefs or whatever it was that stopped me from really going for it. Um, and so before I get into the last two questions, which are future focused, is there anything else on failure you want to say? Any thoughts before we get into like what's going to happen next? I feel I, I wish I had something like really wise and profound to share in this moment um, to like sum up everything that we've talked about. But at the same time, I feel like that would be the mask perfection. Yeah, there you go. That's like, the desire of the mask person there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I would just say that like everything that could be seen as a failure. And I realize now I don't even categorize things that I do as a failure. Like yeah. I, I a lot of people don't like the word. And so meaning I've tried to take, take this thing out of the word basically with what I'm doing, but also a lot of people are like, just, a, just don't like the word in general. So I kind of understand why you would want to classify things. Some things I sometimes say, oh, instead of a failure, you can call it a stepping stone or a mistake or whatever you want to call it. But really it's when you didn't do what you intended to do and it didn't mm -hmm. work out for you is what I kind of yeah. think of it as. Yeah, like detours, as I like to call yeah. them. Um, lots of detours, lots of meandering. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that like anytime there has ever been anything that's a failure or a detour or you know a stepping stone, however you want to call it, it truly has led me to where I am and like where I'm headed. And that is, it, it's all been worth it, even when like in those darkest moments. Um, I'm glad that I've had all those experiences. Yeah, me too. I mean, I wouldn't take back anything um which is good but some of those were really tough but we're they're already done it's in the past so who knows what the new things are going to be um so being a guest on the show you get a i'm going to use his business card as a pretend one as you get a get out of fail free card so i will give this to you and you get to use that for any kind of a hobby or career interest or something that you would want to do if failure wasn't such a big part of it like being an actor or painter or artist or, or it could be just whatever it is. I don't know. Is there something in life that you'd want to pursue if failure was not a possibility? Okay. Um, so funnily enough, um, I would say the fear of failure is not 
something I'm all that concerned about. Like it, it's interesting. I like this get out of fail free card idea. And then for me, the scarier part is actually being successful. So well, you wouldn't fail. So I imagine you would be successful. Right, exactly. it is. So you'd be successful. So what do you want to be successful? At? Um, <laughs> so um I don't have like the best words to do this, but I would it can be love a made up position. Have, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I would love to have like Oprah level a uh, connection superpower of like, you know, I have like you know, all the books and here are the recommendations and suddenly they're all bestsellers or, um, you know, being able to like, just bring amazing people who are doing incredible things to the world the way that she does with like Super Soul Sunday or something like that. So my get out of fail free card. The next um, Oprah. Would, yeah, I would love <laughs> not the next Oprah. Like I, Oprah is Oprah, never. Can I compare? But like having that level of a trust and, uh you know admiration and like people just her seal of approval is gold and so yeah. having that and being able to then just like be able to bring all of these incredible resources to people would be really cool so yes i would love my own version of super soul sunday <laughs> very cool and then uh just the last question i have here is what what's going to be your next big failure what what are you i, I assume it's going to be the kr connections thing if you haven't gotten too deep into it but is there any big um, components within that or anything else that you're going to embark on that you don't know how it's going to go? But most likely you're going to have some failures along the way as you um, get oh, into it. Absolutely. Yeah. So KR Connections is definitely going to be my test site for all the failures in hmm. coming, uh, coming months, I'm certain, uh, possibly years, uh, if all goes well. And I think the next biggest piece is that I am going to start trying to launch some um, live programming in the next month or two. Um, like training or, or? Yeah, like trainings and um, starting off with just like, you know, free offerings of like talking a little bit about what I do. I also have a background in like yoga and meditation oh, and all cool. that, like throwing a little bit of that in there. And I am certain that there will be failures along the way and trying to um, practice just being authentic and up in front of people live. Um, yeah. Like and now. have you ever owned your own business before? Uh, no. So not, that'll be new as well? Yes, new. So yes. Yes. Very cool. Well, um, where can we point people to find you these days? Is there a website for, for KR Connections? That yeah, can... it's just krconnections.com. And then um, my latest big, uh, I don't know, place of, of practicing failure has been um, posting on Instagram where I'm at KR Connections LLC. But you can, if you want to see some of the failure uh, in real time, I, I post bloopers for some of the videos that I've been putting out there. And um, Very yeah. cool. And I'm going to go ahead and plug my own because I never, I never tell anybody. Uh, my yeah. Instagram is at Cobain, as in Kurt Cobain, uh -huh. Cobain BC15. And you can see all the wacky stuff I've been getting up to lately on road trips because I have not shared a lot of that stuff with uh, with anybody. So I mean, the listeners don't know that until just now. They'll be excited when they do. I'm excited. I was trying to find you on Instagram and couldn't so yeah I, I didn't put anything I, I haven't figured out how instagram works enough to know that i even should make let people find me it's a learning process awesome well i thank you so much for being uh your first podcast i appreciate that i hope you'll be doing more of them um because i hope you realize how easy they are because on my end i have to edit it and post it and all the other stuff you're done though your job is basically over 
And so uh, just to wrap up, I just wanted to say thanks a lot for uh, being so vulnerable and sharing yourself and sharing your stories. I know some of those probably weren't that easy to tell to whoever's going to be listening, which we'll find out. Um, but thanks again for everything. And, uh, and I wish you much success with your care connections. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.